Hi everyone! Today on What's My Frame, I'm joined by UK casting director Shakira Dowling. Shakira knows the film and television industry inside out. Having trained and worked as an actor herself, she then spent several years in production before establishing herself as a casting director. She is a fierce champion of new and emerging talent. Shakira's office, Shakira Dowling Casting, has carved out a niche specializing in independent British feature films and European co-productions alongside television and commercials many of which have been internationally recognized and gone on to be nominated for multiple awards including BAFTAs and becoming festival sweethearts at Sundance and TIFF. I am so excited to have Shakira join me to discuss all things Spotlight, the UK market, and so much more. You all are truly in for a treat on this episode. Now, let's get to the conversation. Hi Shakira, thank you so much for joining us on What's My Frame this morning. How you doing? Good, yeah, not too bad. It's sunny in London for a change. We have having LA weather here for a change. Oh, well, enjoy that. I, I, I'm already very envious of your garden and how lovely things are. If, if if people were not already interested in going to explore the UK market, I think they will after, after we finish talking. <laughs> um, for anyone who isn't familiar, can you start us off with your journey into casting and the industry and what kind of has been your trajectory because everybody's story is so uniquely theirs uh yeah so i trained as an actor many moons ago um and came out of drama school and started my own uh, theater production company at the time which was a all women um championing women in the industry new writing we were developing new writers um and that wasn't very common in the 90s, early 90s, as it is now. Um, and then I was back from doing a tour of one of my shows and I went to work for a West End producer, just doing general, you know, running, to be honest. But I just needed some extra money at that point. Um, and before you know it, they were asking me if I could help cast the sort of second show of a big big West End show and that kind of started my journey but it didn't really end there I went back into acting for a bit and had two children and when I came back into the industry I was like yeah I can do this um and that's when I just threw myself in the deep end to be honest wow my goodness and now you have your own office obviously but I want to go back because I'm curious where you had an acting background that obviously makes you more sympathetic to our unique oddities as actors. Um, but did you have any casting directors that were like very, very special to you as an actor? Like those that just kind of made you feel great or, or were champions for you that kind of inspired that career? It, it was a very different industry, to be honest. And actually, it was the opposite. I went to a couple of really bad auditions where I felt like actors are not being treated as they should, weren't giving, being given, you know, the right environment to thrive, uh, really stressful and not enough time and not enough, you know, space. Um, and that's what really inspired me because I was like, this, this isn't what we need. This isn't how it should be. It's like any other interview for any other job. And if you were going for a CEO job or any other job, you'd be prepared and you would get there and you'd be given the time, the space, the energy would be positive. 
um, everyone would be on your side. And I felt like that wasn't coming from the older generation of, of casting directors at the time. I mean, we are talking, like I said, early 90s. It has changed enormously. Um, the industry has changed so much since I first started. I mean, back in those days, you would be sent, you know, 10 by 8 pictures and printed CVs and have to kind of siphon through them, put them in different piles and hope you remembered who was who. Uh, whereas now, you know, with the wonders of the internet, it's easily databased. <laughs> the digital folder just right there waiting for you. Exactly. Wow. Okay. So what I commend you for being a trailblazer, and that's something that we're going to talk about is how you've championed for female and diversity and differently abled voices throughout your career. What was the biggest takeaway that you learned from starting your own female-led theater company? What was the biggest takeaway that then influenced other parts of your career down the road? To be honest, it was actually how often our voices weren't heard or there was a stop at the sort of funding level where it was just a bit too edgy, you know, a bit too close to the bone at the time of what was being talked about. So I'm just trying to think about examples, you know, menopause, et cetera, you know, just sort of subjects that just weren't talked about, weren't discussed openly, uh, abortion, all of those things were just like, ooh, not sure if we can fund that, not really sure if that's on our remit at the moment. And it would be very nicely done, of course. Mm. Um, so we did have some really wonderful people helping us out. Um, yeah, I have to say uh, Riverside Studios. I mean, a couple of people, companies that gave us the rehearsal space for free and helped us out finding tours. And, you know, there were a few things like that where you're like, there are good people out there <laughs> who are doing, you know, making similar moves into the industry at the time. Yeah. Everything has changed now. Obviously, there's a lot more opportunities, um, like you say, for different, different cultures, different voices to be heard. Um, still, I think there are some you know improvements that can be done always absolutely what are some of those that that you see currently that the industry could be doing better um I would say for actors who have disabilities I think we are championing them more and I, I have literally just finished casting a film that's set in the 1972 Paralympics for example so there's more out there but there's still little understanding of access needs even from the ground up um even from the casting point of view like when i was looking for a casting suite that had you know full access you know there was very little out there i mean there was one day that we were casting in somewhere where the wheelchairs just did not fit and we were, ended up casting in the courtyard of this casting suite luckily we could block it off but it was like doing an outside shoot in a way you know brought everything out to be able to work that way um and realizing that actually there's only one in London that has full access um in every single way and that's you know we're in the center of London you know we're in in the UK we are 
London is the place where all acting sort of things happen. More and more, it's in Manchester as well. But you know, it it's always was the centre of where people come. Um, so yeah, it's those sorts of things that I think actually, and just like you have intimacy coordinator, you know, on a set, you really should also have an access coordinator, and Absolutely. that has been it's still very much sidelined. Um, I've got an actor shooting at the moment who's on the spectrum and it, it's been really hard, not for him because we've made it as, as easy as possible, but even for production to kind of find those ways because it's not, not as open, you know, it's not as easy as booking a, a intimacy coordinator who will just organize it for you. That's really fascinating to hear because for anyone that's been listening for a while, they know that I'm extremely involved in SAG after politics and, and trying to move things forward. And something that I'm really passionate about is differently abled actors. And we in the last six years only have started requiring that differently abled actors have the full access to those casting suites, you know, this pre-COVID. But there was a story that will always stand out to me of a woman who they informed her agent and her that they couldn't get her wheelchair in, but um, she could bring someone to carry her in and sit her in a chair. They would have a chair for her inside. And it goes back to what you were saying, like actors, artists of any level or any creative type in this business should be set up for success. No yes. one is going to be set up for success with those conditions. That's just not okay. Um, and anyway I, I don't want to go off on a tangent but it's it's no I mean it's my biggest thing to be honest I wouldn't bring someone in if I didn't believe they're right for the role and my job is to make sure I put the right people in front of the director to see his vision you know in front of him and I I always believe that that's what I'm doing so I never bring people in if I don't absolutely 100% believe in them oh. and an actor should come in with that knowledge, with that understanding that this is not, you know, this we're there championing them. Us casting directors are going, oh my God, he's amazing. You, did you see him in this? Did you see him in that? That's what I always say. When you're continuously auditioning for the same office or a casting director, you know, that moves through offices and they continue to call you in, I was like, that's your little fan club. I was like, you yeah. should go in there standing taller and excited, not oh again they want me to come and audition I'm like yep that's a great thing listen, to yourself. listen <laughs> to yourself you're getting to go audition um all right well what are you all doing now in the UK is it predominantly in person or still virtual how are you all navigating things now it's about half and half so the first round of casting is always self-tapes at the moment and I think that's across all offices I haven't really heard anyone not doing that likely um, and you probably won't it yeah I would out. say 99% of us is probably just doing self-tapes in the first round which actually opens up opportunities for, act for actors who aren't in London and who aren't who are in Europe, for example, or are shooting something abroad. Um, so it opens up opportunities for them to actually still be seen for those roles rather than, oh, no, he's not free to come in, which is the old way it was. Um, can you fit him on Tuesday? So I don't have the studio on Tuesday. I'm not here on Tuesday. I don't have the director on Tuesday. So I wish I could say yes, but I can't. 
Um, so it does open up a lot of opportunity for other people, uh, for, for a lot of actors. Um, actors do worry that we're seeing a lot more because of that, um, which in a way I suppose we are, but it's not as many as you would think. <laughs> Rest assured, it's, you don't get that many self-tapes in, because if we did, we'd be spending our whole day watching self-tapes, um, especially when you've got 25 roles to cast in one, you know, in one film. Um, so that's the first round of casting. And then who do we bring in the room? It's really only three for each role, sometimes two. Oh, okay. Sometimes it's actually just almost automatically a chemistry test. Um, without it being called that you know yeah do you think the actors that are concerned about the you know higher volume of auditions that are coming in are those actors that used to be coming in the room and were booking and they don't feel like they're booking as much or do you think it's more younger actors that haven't had the joy of booking so much and they just think we're we're generating all of these tapes and what does it what does it do that's a really good question I'd say, speaking to actor friends of mine who book a lot of commercials, for example, um, and always did, always did. One of my girlfriends is, yeah, she's the yummy mummy type. She sells anything. <laughs> she she passes that test on so many. She gets cancelled or, or for so many auditions. And I did ask her this question, are you booking the same amount? And she said, I'm being pencilled more than I was. Hmm. So probably because she's auditioning for more than she did before, yeah. you know? What is a yummy mummy? Is that like someone that's really pretty or is that what is No, that? Uh, you don't know what a yummy mummy is. Oh, okay. Um, kind of, how'd you say? Inspiring, I suppose. Oh, the way aspirational. Looks, the way, aspirational, the way she looks, the way she behaves, the way she kind of moves and is elegant but not you know women want to be her I suppose that's what I would look for if I was buying a yogurt because she looks exactly like I feel like I want to present <laughs> I love that so much more than calling someone yoga moms you know <laughs> thank you for indulging my just curiosity um <laughs> all right so I would love to talk because you all's casting platform even is very different than ours here in the States. We we utilize breakdown services and actors access and you all have Spotlight, correct? That's the primary one? That's the primary one. That is the go-to. Um, basically, if you're not on Spotlight, you're not going to get seen as much as yeah. you should. And I personally, I have a Spotlight, like I said, because I do have a UK agent and I was fascinated by how much more guidance was offered to kind of craft your profile you know we suggest six max headshots you know we suggest okay. this. it was kind of like prompted and guided through which when you see some like younger actors profiles here on actors access you see that they've thrown everything up and it's yep. I'm sure it would be like um what I kind of compare it to is like going into a well-organized store versus going into the Clarence Benz and yeah. like you need to have things organized for casting you can't just be like this is everything I've ever done and I'm emotionally attached to and you should look through it all um because that's not productive but I was really impressed with Spotlight and I'm curious how long has that platform been around was that something that was very mindful 
to try to like kind of guide actors in how to craft their profiles or that's just you all are more detailed <laughs> um that's a good question to be honest i mean spotlight has been around for many many years and originally was actually printed books many printed books they'd be organized into categories but um you'd have about 25 sort of bible sized you know full 10 10 by 8 sized books <laughs> many years ago but that's before the internet um and then they built the platform it has evolved um there's still I feel improvements that can be made um but yes like you said about too many things on your profile I often um when I'm running workshops or are asked to do Q&As and things I'll often say, Carl, you know, less is more, especially those jobs that you did when you first left drama school when you were 20, you know, you toured some, you know, how do you say, theatre and education or something, or you've done voiceovers to things, but they just don't need to be there unless they're bigger, they're better, you've had a director that is quite well known, you know, just cull it down, because actually, it's easier for us to go, oh, yeah, they were in that, oh, yeah, they did that, or they worked with that director, and those, as, if you were looking through one of those dating sites and swiping right, <laughs> or swiping left, you know, you're <laughs> taking key information in, aren't you? Now, if I'm seeing you know 200 profiles for one job my brain is also taking in key information which is have they done more theater or have they done more telly or have they done more film have they worked with any directors I know um they can do an American accent you know or whatever I'm looking for at the time that's where I'm going to I'm casting film let's see how much film they've done okay they haven't let's look at their telly um so yeah you want those things to stand out and not be in a long list of where I have to find it I don't want to be an investigator on your page because that's a not my job and b I haven't got the time as much as I would like to <laughs> to really dig deep um for example you know you've done a short film but it won a BAFTA or it was nominated you know those things are really key to me going oh okay you know they haven't done much but there's a short film there that I know I've seen because I I'm on several voting panels or whatever I remember that um so yeah you want your profile to be easy to swipe right <laughs> to the yes folder basically is what I do because the way very spotlight works is actually it's like a color system yes no maybe <laughs> so it's an orange green it's like traffic lights so yeah I'm clicking you as maybe pretty much in the first round of me looking and then I'll go through all the maybes and turn them into yes which means tell my that's when my assistant will book you guys in all the yeses wow so it's not like breakdowns where you only select the people you're interested in you're having to engage with all of them you don't have to if okay. they if, if immediately you know from their small profile pic that they are completely wrong you okay. wouldn't bother opening that one okay yeah. so for you and your office specifically what makes a strong spotlight profile that is a good question um 
like I said, easily accessed information. Uh, one showreel, not 20, unless you, you know, unless you're an Italian actor who's landed here and you'll have your Italian speaking um, showreel and your English speaking showreel. I don't need 20. I don't need your commercials and your, you know, five different showreels because I'll never watch them all. <laughs> I'll never have the time to watch. You're not going to binge everybody's profiles? What? No, no, no. I'm not having a Netflix night in. Um, so, yeah, so that's, that. I'd say, make it easy for us. Make it as easy as possible. If you're American, you know, make sure it's pretty stand out, starred as that you are Native American, you know. And don't pretend you can do a British accent because there's a hundred... British actors in this country and I'm unlikely to cast an American to play a Brit unless you know you're very famous <laughs> very very famous exactly yes photos very representative of you so if I'm watching yourself tape I know who you are straight away I don't have to again investigate who that person is um if I walk into the waiting room I can go Coralie, hi. And just, you know, know exactly who I'm talking to because a lot of the casting suites, especially at Spotlight, which they own casting suites as well, you know, there's seven different casting suites. So there's lots of different castings go in the same waiting room. And you know, we're all going in and going, hi, how are you? Uh, and I need to be able to recognize you. You haven't, you know, unless your agents tell me, oh, she's chopped her hair for a role. So I hope that's okay, you know, or <laughs> just had a buzz cut because he's been playing a soldier so don't get shocked when you see him in the waiting room <laughs> um that sort of thing I I need to be able to recognize you yeah headshots are such a personal preference thing but there are trends and I think expectations of you know I know LA headshots look different than New York uh, there's just these different preferences Vancouver looks different I'm familiar with those but what are the the trends or the strengths of a strong headshot over there in the UK market? This is one I really don't know because when you see it, you know it, to be honest. Um, people often ask me, who are your favorite photographers? It's like, I don't, I don't actually really know because I don't really look who's taken the picture. I think I'm not like, oh, it should be smiley or it should be, you know, straight faced or any of those things. It just have to show a spark. It's all about the eyes at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, you have to see something in someone's eyes. We were talking about this before the record, but coming out of drama school, there's a lot of people that are you know, curious and excited and wanting to potentially travel abroad, not knowing where they're going to land. What advice would you give to US or Canadian actors that are considering coming to the UK current landscape? I mean, I'm sure it was very different pre-COVID, but now what advice would you have for them to, things to have in place, things to do once you get there, things to really think about before making that financial commitment, things like that? Um, obviously your work visa is key. Um, key number one is to make sure you can work in the UK, um, whether it's you know, you get a year or whether it's permanently, it it doesn't make a difference to us as long as you can work here. Um, and in Europe, we're often casting in Europe. American actors actually have a good chance 
of working here because we cast so many American shows that are shooting in Europe. <laughs> they might be shooting in Eastern Europe, but they're cast out of the UK. Um, there's a lot of studios at the moment in Eastern Europe where a lot of shows are being shot um, and also in Scotland and Wales. So we're often casting Americans. Um, and if we can cast genuine Americans as opposed to Brits who can do an American accent, you know, all the better for us, to be honest. Um, I'm all for authenticity as much as we can make that work. Um, so what things to think about, obviously an agent, really key. Um, best if you can get one while you're there, who, you know, can do a sort of launch for you, as in my actress is moving over, will you meet her? Um, which any good agent would, even if we don't have the time, we'd look at your profile at that point anyway. Um, and uh, what else? Oh, a spotlight, which again, I'm sure if you had an agent, they would make you set that up either anyway. Um, as an actor who doesn't have representation, if you have enough credits, you still can have a spotlight profile, but you won't see as many breakdowns as casting directors put out um because we can tick a box to say that actors can see this pro this um job or not um most more likely than it is the not um unless it is a unusual casting that we're kind of even putting on twitter and instagram and oh, that's another thing follow follow lots of casting directors in the UK, we do a lot of putting things out. It is mainly commercials and it is mainly difficult to find. Like if I'm looking for a Hindi speaking child, for example, you know, that would definitely go onto all of our social media. But it's also interesting for you guys to see, you know, those things because you know that we're working, <laughs> which means, you know, you should be writing to us when you land. Yeah. All right, I would love to dive into you cast the film Tiger. What was that process like, both in casting a film based on a real memoir, but also casting actors who could play soccer at a competitive level? Or did you all have doubles? I'm a former dancer, so I was impressed because it looked to me like they were really playing, but I'm curious. They do, they do really play soccer. <laughs> well, it's, it's actually football, but yes. Um, oh yes, excuse me. So <laughs> There were three casting directors on this because there was the UK, obviously it's set in Italy and it's a Swedish production. So our lead was cast from Sweden and he was the actual um, person whose book it was based on. Um, he was the, yeah, so he was the lead. Uh, he was cast directly, actually he was cast directly like, by the producer director um, team because obviously Sweden is quite a small market in terms of the amount of actors there. So it's often enough they don't use a casting director out there wow. um, because it is really small. There's only three agents. I mean, whenever I'm casting a Swedish person, I just call three agents because that's it really. You know that they've got the best of the best. It's a very small country. <laughs> <laughs> I have not been, but I, I'm going to take your word on it. It is a small town. Well, in terms of, in, I think it's a big country. It's just got a very small population, actually, okay. to be honest. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of space, <laughs> a lot of white space, I think. It's very cold in the winter. Um, so, yeah, so he came with 
the, the film. Mm -hmm. uh, the Italian casting director did all of the Italian roles, which were the lead roles, which were the, the coach, for example, um, and a couple of the football players. There weren't many football players who were actors as well. They might have had one or two lines, so they were more football players as opposed to actors. Mm -hmm. um, so the featured extras or whatever you want to call them, but obviously with a speciality of being good football players. Yeah. Um, and then I cast the UK actor who is mainly in there. It was yeah. brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Let's actually go back a step because just like you mentioned, like folks that could play football, like that's a special skill. What is mm -hmm. Paul's union setup? How do people join your union in the UK? Because you all are equity. Equity, okay. Because, but you all, equity encompasses both theater and film, correct? Versus yeah. having different unions for different things. Yes, okay. that's right. So, equity, you don't have to be a union member to work under an equity contract. That's the difference. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so if I'm doing a film that is an equity contract, I don't need to just only employ equity members. So Americans oh. don't need to really do anything. Um, it would more be, sorry, it would be more difficult if you're a SAG member and I'm trying to employ you on an equity contract because there is an international one agreement mm. and the production company have to agree to sign that in order to employ you okay so is that like what i've heard of like a global one rule yeah the global one rule exactly okay when they work together union membership and to join or not to join if you want to join how to join is one of the biggest hurdles for actors over here it, it kind of it blows me away that it's just like it's it's artist choice there that's yeah, and um, I think because generally, I mean, with with equity, you're not signing up to I don't know a pension plan or we you know yeah. our health service is free, so we we don't have that all those ties in, which actually, you know, is beneficial for an actor to have. Yeah. Over here, it's very much that's separate. Okay, let's go back. Um, we we touched on that you're a passionate advocate for diversity, women's casting, and are really known and respected in that space for using your voice. What, in your opinion, is the industry doing right currently to make progress and strides for showcasing and being more inclusive of all voices and and authentic casting, and what still needs to really be done? Um, I would say the BFI are really championing, you know, making sure that there's a, you know, as many women behind the camera as men, which is very good. Um, in terms of cast, well, to be honest, there's now, I haven't, uh, I'm not sure. I think uh, the Academy, the, the Oscars, the Academy are only looking at films that have got diversity representation this year as of this year I think they're changing that rule um oh, really I've heard this anyway whether whether I'm right or not you know we talk about it a lot more that's the thing I think that's the thing you know and often I will be 
pushing that it isn't just you know the nurse or the doctor you know those small roles that were like oh can we make them you know from wherever um yeah. because that isn't you know as though although whatever world you're creating if it's uh you know set in london for example of course you know that there would be diversity within those you know the shopkeeper etc because london is a very diverse city um but you know within the lead roles it is just as important absolutely well it's more important to be honest it's more important yeah at least over here, our content has become more inclusive, more in showcasing and spotlighting different voices and stories because just the boom of content creators, writer, producers, things like that, due to the opportunities with streaming. I've spoken before that I've had the joy to work on Shonda shows and they're so different, the inclusivity. And it's, it is, it is so integrated into that project that you don't notice it anymore, that there's females behind the camera, that there are female grips that there are non-binary individuals in in very key roles and it's it's not a thing it's it's gone past like let's be sure we check the box the box is checked we don't even worry about it anymore we don't know where the box is anymore yeah it's been thrown out it's been thrown out yeah I agree there's some some productions that are very much like that do you all have like in, in the States, we have uh, from a number of networks like diversity, inclusion showcases and, and things where young talent that have not been able to get as much screen time have not been able to build their resumes, its opportunities. Do you all have that over there as well? We do. We do. Not as many as possible. And I think that is where our networks are tick, still ticking boxes as opposed to it. It should not be a thing anymore. Um it should be more, okay, let's give the opportunity to 18 to 25 year olds, just blanket. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. they're coming to the industry, just blanket. And then within that, making sure you have got all different voices from different cultures um, and different yeah, walks of life, really. Um, but they are still, oh, this scheme is only for, you know, yeah. black women, for example. And it's like, that's great that that's there but really or this scheme is only for you know non-binary writers um that that's also great but it needs to be a wider it needs to be like you say crossed off the list and made a bit more inclusive across the board without people having to actually go okay we're doing this you know two-hour short film program on a Sunday morning <laughs> when no one's really going to watch it, yeah. whatever small channel, no one, no one watches anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, having worked so in depth in the indie space over there, how when do casting directors come onto a project, and have you have you walked with some of these indie projects to see that kind of pushback firsthand with getting funding? Or is funding uh, already in place yeah. before you join on? Oh gosh, no. Um, it depends. Most likely, I'm on there before we've even got, you know, anyone attached. Before there's any funding, um, sometimes they would have had development funding uh, to, you know, get the script in some sort of shape and uh, maybe to go to a couple of markets to try and, you know find funding um but then that funding stops there and then they have to find 
you know, private investment or, or other ways to make that film happen. Um, there's one film that's shooting at the moment. I think I joined them three or four years ago. You know, that's how long it's taken to get it to actually shoot. And they're currently in production now. They are. They're in the final week as well. So it's really exciting. Oh yeah, God, we've been on a big now. journey together. Oh. We've been on a long, long, long journey. We, we've had cast attached and then funding fell through and then we had to recast. I mean, it's been a whole world. Um, and that is the indie film space, to be honest. It, it always goes that way. Often enough, we'll have dates and they get pushed back. Yeah. Wow. So for your office in particularly, beyond, you know, sorting through Spotlight, how do you all like to discover and connect with new diverse voices and talent, things like that? Because we, active, we actively go out and look, to be honest. Um, we're prepping actually something to go out on Monday, which my assistant's prepping. And um and it is for 18 to 25 year olds. We're looking for actors with Down syndrome and we are going to be sending it to schools around the UK. I mean, I've got so many databases, uh, specific agents, you know, those uh, drama schools, but also those Saturday sort of youth drama type things that aren't specifically professional yet. Um, and we will just go and find those, you know, find those new, new uh, you know, and then we'll give them the time and the space. So it wouldn't be the same, just self-tape and then come in. You know, it's not going to be like that at all because we're looking at actors who haven't got the experience or perhaps don't even know that they want to be an actor yet, you know? I, I was going to ask, when you are casting someone so authentically, but perhaps, and I, I think it would be a safe bet that there have not been that many opportunities for them unless they are in fact a name representing that space. Or is that like budgeted into production to like have a coach to work with them? Same as, you know, we're familiar with like dialect coaches. How, how would that work? Oh yes, absolutely. There's a couple of coaches I always recommend as well. who have worked on so many good films with young people and it's, it's, even just with the, yeah, when you're street casting basically is what we call it. I mean, it's not quite street casting in the, you know, the word that we would have used yeah. back in the day when people did come up to you on the street. <laughs> but um, we call it street casting. So we still use those, those uh, term. Yeah, at that point, you know, yeah, I cast, in fact, this film that we were just talking about, one of the actors in that, um, has had no experience whatsoever beyond youth theatre, no experience. Um, and she has done some modelling, but she's young, really young Iranian girl, um, just amazing energy, amazing look. And be, we've surrounded her by well-established, quite well-known actors. And that was the conversation we had. Do we need to get her with a coach well before well before the shoot really six weeks before you know working on script but also working on with camera and she does know how to use you know she knows about camera because she's done that modeling work but 
it's a very different tool yeah. at that point. It is a very different tool. Very different. I'm curious if you have a favorite casting story that you've been a part of. There are so many. I'll just tell you what, when, especially with leads, with youth leads or, or young leads, you know, the sub 20 year olds, often enough, we're in the room and just magic happens. And I don't even need to talk to the director and the director doesn't even need to talk to me. We'll just look at each other and it'll be like, we found what we're looking for. And it really is like magic happens. And it happens so often, people don't believe that, that that's, that's what we're looking for. You forget that you're in a room. You forget that you know, you've heard this script 20 times. You forget what space you're in and that the, the director's there and the cameraman's there. You know, you kind of just get engrossed into this person's energy and it is like magic. See, it's things like that that make me want to be a part of casting, but I am such a ham. I could never because I would, you know, be wanting to like read with them. But like, that's something that we, it's hard to to self-gauge as an actor. You know, we, we, we sometimes feel like that magic has happened, but, you know, we have nothing to base it against like that. I mean, you all truly are fairy godmothers and godfathers. Like it, it truly is just, it's such a magical gift that you all have. To, to give I always do feel like I, when I when I go to a cast and crew screening and it's been a while obviously since I cast that film because it's gone through post I always feel quite like I've given birth to this little family and they've gone off and done this amazing piece of art and I do feel really proud of you guys <laughs> as you should because like that ability to see beyond you know maybe the the day that we as actors have had or you know our interpretation which you know of course we want to make it our own but you may be like yeah that's that that doesn't exist in the world that we're creating and and being able to see that see past that and see the potential and oh oh my goodness what has been the hardest um or I don't want to say hardest what has been the most challenging and then rewarding role that you've cast than having found it um, there are so many to be honest as soon as you start working on something you think that one role is going to be challenging and that just falls into place really quickly and then it's this one that's nitty-gritty really <laughs> gets so turned down by so many people or not quite right and you know you know that you haven't quite found them the director's getting frustrated the producers getting up, you know, like how long are we going to have to wait till we nail this one? So yeah, the pressure gets higher and higher, both on the casting director and and on the production and budgets, etc. Um, and it's never the one you think it's going to be. <laughs> it really isn't. That tracks. That makes that makes total sense. The one you you just kind of like, I'm not worried about that one. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the problem, child. <laughs> that's the problem child exactly why is it the problem child I'm not sure and then you start questioning as well of course um and I do have those conversations a lot with producers and directors do you think it's the role the way it's written do you think it needs a rewrite uh you know are we missing something you know and I try and see it from an actor's perspective if I feel like 
actually this would be hard to play because of that missing link because yeah. it doesn't feel authentic from your point of view it doesn't read right you know yeah but I'm sure you you read scripts where you're like yeah I'm not sure about this that's so compassionate that speaks volumes to you to take a step back and you know maybe there's a connectivity issue having you know happening for the actor because mm -hmm. I, I have definitely I have definitely read things that 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 was not factored in of maybe maybe this yeah. didn't feel authentic just you know rolling off the tongue or it's too much storytelling um you know too much exposition somehow yeah all of those things I think yeah I'm I'm always questioning when when I have a problem child I'm always questioning <laughs> now um I saw in a past interview I, I can't remember if it was a video or it was a written interview about trusting your gut in the mm -hmm. audition and I'm curious if you could share that a little bit with us and, and what that means to you in the audition space I think don't go in with very rigid sort of thoughts you know if you if you've married yourself to an idea of how you feel it should be played it's very hard for us to direct you in any other way mm -hmm. um I, yeah i find that that's it's not that you can't be directed it's that you've come in and you've so i've worked on this i know what i'm doing um and when someone says oh let's just like throw that out the window and let's play it like this it's like you could see actors faces where they're like oh my god what is she saying <laughs> why why is she telling me to try it like that um hadn't thought about it it's like saying oh can you do it in a Russian accent you know it's that sort of dramatic to them <laughs> like oh oh I don't know how to do that um that's where I always think you, you have to be fluid you have to come in and and be authentic and be just like we're having this conversation we haven't had it before yeah and that's what I want to see like you haven't seen that script before you haven't had this interaction and your reader or if it's a chemistry read you know your other actor you can't predict how they're going to say that line before you you just have to react to what they give you yeah it's the same as you can't rehearse a phone call before you make it, no matter how nervous you are. And like, no. I, I've seen that with actors so much of this, like almost like they get in a syncopation of, of the dialogue and the way that they, you know, perhaps it's a memory thing to get the lines down because, you know, to have or to not have your sides in your hand, all of these kind of extraneous things that we put on ourselves that really at the end of the day, hold no weight. And I, when when I read that about trusting your gut, I was like, that that's it. It's just knowing it and then being able to throw it away so you can play. Throw it away, exactly. Know it well enough that you're confident with it. I specifically do not care if you fluff a line, if you're being truthful. Yeah. I mean, if you skip a line, it's it's not a it's not a test. <laughs> it's not a test as to whether you can learn lines. Um, one presumes that because you're an actor, you can learn lines. <laughs> so we will don't <laughs> worry about that. Don't get don't get caught up in those little, like you say, those little things that don't really matter. Yeah. Um, whatever makes you feel like confident, really. Yeah. If you do have sides, though, just don't flap them around. 
that's my because they always get into camera that's the one thing hold them away put them on a chair put them next to you but slapping them around it's like oh it's really hard that it's and hard. the audio of it just like just the yeah. crinkling it's just like are you looking through receipts what's happening here but that's <laughs> again I, I could never do your job I respect it so so much just the the again that that seeing opportunity seeing beyond it all it's just that's amazing um what is on the horizon for you what is what is a challenge that you want to take on what is something that you're excited to get started on um I have a couple of really nice projects at the moment which is really exciting um one is across three continents so that's really cool India the UK and South Africa um so that's quite incredible also it's a true life story which you know historical drama um and it's an eight part season three seasons so yeah that's quite cool I'm quite excited about that we've only just started on that one um personally I've over COVID I kind of produced a couple of short films without really trying to be a producer <laughs> I'm winging it there as well <laughs> yes um they're doing really well in festivals in fact uh monochromatic is at the what is it called? Um, American Black Festival in Miami. It's one I produced and my friend Karen, who I've known for a long time, directed and wrote. Um, so I've got a couple of things that I kind of are passion projects that I'll yeah. dip my toe into the producing of film. Um, yeah, water and see where it lands. Now, how <laughs> with your experience and and you know, your resume as an actor, as a theater owner, as a casting director, how does that influence your work as a producer? I think tell stories that you want to hear. That's the most important thing. Don't just go, oh, that's an that's a good script. Do you want to watch it? Are you the audience for it? Do you want to tell that story? Um, is it important to tell? What is the audience getting out of it? Is it just we've seen that before we've seen that before um often enough we have seen that before and it isn't especially for indie film I mean I'm not talking about like you say daytime television or you know those Sunday movies or any of those sort of that space is quite different yeah we all want to watch a rom-com on a Sunday afternoon or, you know on a network tv there's nothing wrong with that yeah <laughs> absolutely nothing wrong with it um but if you're making something it really does have to come from passion it really has to feel like I I want to tell this story I'm I'm totally believe in what I'm doing and whether that's sci-fi because that's what you're into or you know any genre to be honest um it doesn't have to be worthy and art house yeah if that's not your thing just yeah tell the stories you want to see and you want to hear yeah because you'll fall out of love with it a lot a lot easier if you don't passionately love it because so also producing, producing film is hard it's not easy finding funding is hard getting a crew together that you really want working with a director for such a long time right through to post and then getting it out to the market it is a long process. It isn't just, oh, I've got six months on this. And then if I don't 
love it it's fine you are on a sort of three to five year journey a lot of the time if it's a feature film um and it's independent um, so yeah make sure it's something that you want to tell yeah i don't even understand how the time flew by so quickly i you are an absolute joy and a delight to talk to the, the last question that we ask everybody on the podcast is what is one thing you wish you could go back and tell your younger self unfortunately it's come that time in the episode Oh my God, that's a hard one. Oh, wow. I would say, I would tell myself, ditch the ego. Cause that get, that's where it gets complicated. When you're a teenager and when you're in your twenties, yeah, it's like, it's all the world revolves around me somehow. That, I, I, that's how I was anyway. The world revolves around me. And as soon as I ditched the ego, that's when all the opportunities came and everything opened up um yeah so that would I, that, that's the funny thing i would tell myself <laughs> you are just such a ray of sunshine and i can't tell you how happy it makes my heart to see someone that's doing so much good for so many different areas of of people's truth and their experiences and stories but also to be just such a kind and happy person because that 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 can take a lot of weight on you doing all of that good for others and you're, you're just you radiate joy so i really thank appreciate you. you hanging out with us for an hour and, and sharing thank you so much for inviting me it has been absolutely lovely speaking to you hi everyone thanks for listening and being the absolute best part of our creative community thank you to my fabulous guests today if you'd like to learn more about them please check them out in the show notes and please join us on instagram and tiktok at what's my frame i'm laura linda bradley thanks for listening 